Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 25, Tournament Prep. So basically me and John, as I'm joined by John again, we're going to talk about what you can do to properly prepare for a tournament. Uh, I plan to do this as a video eventually, but this is more longer form podcast format. So obviously it shouldn't be longer than an hour, but we can kind of be a bit more freestyle here than I can on a video because some people get very upset when I go over 23 minutes. Uh, but anyway, John, how are you Outrageous. today? Outrageous. I know. Burned, yeah. burn at the stake. Gosh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I've actually, since we last chatted, I've actually played two games of Into the Dark, which was quite weird. Oh, nice. Nice. I actually haven't played any Kill Team because everyone cancelled and flaked out on me. So I've just been uh, painting. They just didn't want to lose, did they? <laughs> yeah, just, they do. Uh, I painted up. Uh, so I'm actually uh, making my own hand at the Archon Barricades because I did it for my Fast Talker Kin Band. So they're actually Ooh. almost finished. I'm just doing the weathering and then I can seal them. And then they'll be ready. So we're both getting some kill team in our own way. Yeah. So that's good. Because I think, what is it? So technically the reveal stream is coming out in uh, five hours? Four? No, yeah. four hours. No, yeah. it's more than that. Hold on. Three. Six hours. Six hours from the time of recording. Because this is going recording the Wednesday going up next Thursday. No, next week, whenever. Because, uh, well, you're going to do the... So, I mean, if you want to see the reveal live, John is going to do it live with uh, Rob from The Honest Wargamer. Rob, I love you. Why won't you get back to me? Uh, and they're going to live stream it for him. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> I can smell the desperation in the room. This is awkward. No, it's fine. One day he'll respond <laughs> to my messages. Although, although we did bond over the Warcry <laughs> leaks, because if you went aware Dante leaks and everyone lost their minds, the Warcry stuff leaked. No one cares. <laughs> so if you like Warcry, I'm not trying to knock you. It's just. Oh, it's I just really funny. wanted to be more excited, but I looked at it and went, "Yep, cool." <laughs> yeah, even my Warcry friends went, "Was like really Stormcast." Anyway, so that's what we've been doing. But today, yeah, we're gonna go over uh, what do you call it? Tournament prep. Because remember. Hopefully we can do this bi-weekly now, which we actually are. Um, amazingly, we've, we've so far stuck to the schedule two episodes in a row. Yeah, 100%. So we'll be, yeah, exactly. Uh, but remember, if you want, we're going to link this into a future episode where we go over like some faction focuses. But remember, if you want us to cover stuff, just you know, let us know via any way you can contact us. And we're happy because like, the podcast is more of a free thing where I can literally do anything. I only do the podcast for fun. Um because I was like, I do everything yeah, for fun, but I, I really wish you'd wear trousers when you did a podcast. That's the one thing I would say. I, I, I'm so angry I can't wear trousers at the moment. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, outside of that inside joke, so let's uh, get into tournament prep. So the main thing we're going to do like five key areas, but this is like this should be an unwritten rule. Please wash before you have a go to a tournament. Like yeah. don't even if you shower the night before, like. That is tolerable, but at least be showered and cleaned for the day. Like this is just, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to mention this, no, but oh my gosh, when I went down kinda, to the 40k tables at LGT, I, I lost my mind. It kind of pairs in nicely to like one of my secret things. I'm not a morning person, but if I can get up in the morning, have a nice shower, have a good solid breakfast before a tournament, it means by the time I do get to the first game, I'm awake. I'm a bit more with it. And it means that I'm going to play better because I'm not trying to pick myself up off the floor from the night before. Yeah. And you just feel you just feel more refreshed and obviously yeah. like <laughs> imagine being opposite someone who hasn't washed in let's say several days being generous sometimes it's weeks. Uh, also yeah. like bring deodorant as well that's an optional like obviously the priority is wash. Uh, but deodorant helps too. Some events are really awesome and provide deodorant uh, like I yeah. remember when I went to Tabletop Scotland, they had deodorant oh, nice. all over the toilets. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. No one stank in Scotland, but it was just like, yeah. just in case. And I've well, been to a few events that have. stinks. I mean, just, everything just smells of iron brew and deep fried. Oh, be careful. Be careful. I love we Scotland. Love the Scottish. <laughs> I love the Scottish are great. I look, when I went to Tabletop Scotland, I was just like, oh, you know, all these memes and stuff. And then I went, look, I was ordering food and I was like, why is the Chinese offering me not just a deep fried Mars bar, but a selection of deep fried chocolate bars? And then I searched everywhere. Like you can get a deep fried pizza, a deep fried Deep burger, fried pizza anyway. was really nice. Blue Lagoon in Glasgow do a really good deep fried pizza. I felt so like 
the, the rush from eating it. I was just like, this is amazing. And I'm going to eat this deep fried Mars bar. I had the deep fried oh, um, nice. Mars bar, but it was really weird. I thought it'd be crispy, but it was just it's soggy. Goo. It's fucking yeah. goo. It's brilliant. It's lovely. Well, oh. the batter was gooey. Anyway, anyway, wash yourself, please. And like, wet the deodorant. Don't, don't, be like a, don't be like a deep fried Mars bar. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't be hot and, and sloppy. Uh, oh. Okay, so now for the real, real um, <laughs> tips. So step one: oh, always read the pack. Like a hundred. Like we we joke about this, um, but when I started hosting tournaments, people generally don't read the packs, and you get no. as a TO. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, people go, "Oh, John, uh, when's the round? When does the round start?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "What time do I have to turn up?" Oh, it. In, in the pack. In the fucking oh. pack. Okay. Um. Uh. What are the rules for like draws and stuff? It's, it's in the pack. What missions are is in the pack? So where's the, where's the pack? Is my favorite question I get asked. Oh, and gosh, it's like yeah. for all my events, I set up WhatsApp chats for the event, and in the description, it'll have all the important information and a link to a Google Drive document for the pack. And still, people ask me, and I'm like, "You're kidding." This is the day oh, before yeah. the tournament and you're asking me and it's just like, oh my gosh. When I did deck checks and I was like, did everyone, as I said, even in the description of the event, read the latest rules updates? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> what latest rules update did you read? And I was like, did anyone read the last one? And they're like, oh, I read the one from three months ago. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah. So always read the pack because the pack will have uh, tournament information, the missions you're playing, and more importantly, the maps you're using. Because when I yes. go to events, I don't. I think the general misconception is everyone believes tournaments are ran in generally the same way. This is a hundred percent wrong. Tournaments are usually entirely different when they're run by different people. So it can be like oh, the scoring 100%. system. Yeah. Like uh, I think the biggest stuff for kill team is how people do scoring, how they actually do pairing, and what terrain they're running because. The thing about everyone's using the Best Coast Pairings app to run their events, yeah. which is great, but it's really important you read how the event is doing scoring and pairing. Like, uh, for example, Games Workshop events, they do total tack-up points, total tack-up points as the first tiebreaker, tie then it's total victory points. Then it's like, obviously it goes wins, losses, but you need yeah. to know the tiebreakers because some events don't care about tack-up points. Yeah. They care more about strength of schedule. And then it's also linking back into the pack. It will tell you how many players there are so, for example, if I know there's an event where there's always going to be someone undefeated at the end, it means I don't have to play to max every game because if there's always going to be one winner, I don't need to worry about going, oh my gosh, I didn't score max points. But well, conversely, if you're playing crit ops, if it was a crit ops tournament, you're probably going to yeah. max your points anyway. I know, I know. That's what I've learned. <laughs> yes, even the data proves that, although people oddly in Kill Team have become quite adverse to data. Um, but the I'm other thing the is... Kind of guy. Yeah, I, mean, I know. All these competitive players going, I don't believe in the, the data stats. Don't tell me actual proof. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> the thing is, if an event is actually not going to have an undecided winner, and uh, then it's going to come to tiebreakers, if it's tack ops scored, then you really need to focus on every game maxing your tack ops, because if it comes to that tiebreaker situation, you want to know. Because the worst thing I've seen from friends and stuff is like, we've gone to an event, and they're like, oh, I didn't know how they're doing pairings. Like, I didn't know how they're doing tiebreakers. Some yeah. events will pair in your bracket, like the winners and losers. They'll go first, first, second, third, first, fourth. Or what, which is the better way to do it, is randomly within that group. So win winners randomly pair each other. Because the thing is, if, you, it, it, if you're like an advanced enough tournament player and you know the pairing system is quite fixed, you can actually game the system in a way to even know who you're playing against next or if you're really yeah. brave, try and score low and to dodge your, them. Yeah, yeah, to dodge them. Like there, there's so many ways. And now I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that's why it's so important to read the pack. And yeah. the other thing is like terrain. Like I know from your 40k background, terrain varies heavily. Oh, events, right? it's a completely different. So like a good example for that from a 40k example is if you're prepping for say one of the Warhammer tournaments, so the UKTC terrain kind of packs. Their terrain is very specific. You've got fixed maps. So if you're then practicing just on your hodgepodge of GW terrain and a bit of MDF stuff, you're not going to be getting a full practice experience to that. So I think it translates the same in um, Kill Team to me to some extent, because if you know you're going to a Games Workshop, like Warhammer One event, they'll often have fixed maps that they're using for specific missions. 
I don't think we'd necessarily get that information ahead of time, but knowing that you're going to have a selection of all the different types of terrain. So you will have, at some point, you might have to play on, um, what's it called? The one with the the bunkers and the... Uh, Morok? Morok. Like, if you haven't played on that before, playing it if you can, like, go find someone you know that's got a copy of it and play it. Because if you go into it and play that for the first time in a tournament setting, you're going to cause yourself some quite disservice to, like, you'll misplay it. You won't understand necessarily how the terrain actually interacts because if you've never played it or it's not something you've played in months having that refresher really helps because my last um warhammer world event i was literally going oh, i haven't used these for a while it was things like the, the smoke pipe smoke stacks it was just like i if i'd remembered that before i deployed silly things like that it it, it can impact your game quite drastically so. oh no 100 even like um so warhammer world for octarius they don't have doors and oh my gosh when you told me that the day before i was like oh god i, I love I, the no doors and windows there was the window stuff wasn't there as well yes yeah, because their vertigus board has windows as well and stuff like that <laughs> but the thing is but it's like if you play in a door environment and then all of a sudden like you go oh i've been playing octaris with doors what do you mean they don't have doors it dramatically changes the map because it changes the avenues of approach so that's something you need to be aware of i've played at events where they've made everything on octarius heavy try and hurt pathfinders no it did not work the way they did. <laughs> um but stuff like that uh, a lot even though like i'm generally against comp a lot of events are still doing comp in terms of changing how terrain works yeah like just changing rules changing pairings like even the latest london event i'm going to they've changed into the dark so uh defenders go first on a tie instead of attackers to try and mitigate the power of attackers on into dark because like their boards could be symmetrical instead of asymmetrical. Like it's that's the kind of thing, and it's usually all in the pack. So it's yeah. really important you read the pack. Now our next topic for practice is well, practice like <laughs> not over practice, right? Because we, we were talking about that. yeah, it, and it's hard to actually gauge this because the thing is, I've seen people who go before an event like a month or two weeks before they're playing two gig two like two to four games every day and you like that's madness because you're going to burn out and i've had people go like oh no i'll be fine then they come to the tournament they're shattered right after round one or round two they're done so it's trying to find a fine line between both so i like to have played at least a couple of the missions or refresh on ones that i haven't played recently and then the day before if i'm say for example a good example the last one that I went to was Warhammer World, and we were all there on the Friday afternoon. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you, you were like, "Oh, do you want to join a game?" Because there was an odd number of us, and I just went, "No, I'll sit out." Because I just, I didn't need to play a game the night before on the train I'd be face playing on, which really could have been quite useful. But on the flip side, to me, I was like, "I don't want to play it as an excuse to play." I didn't necessarily need the practice, but at the same time, it was nice to watch other people playing it. No, yeah, I, my which actually general gave me is, a bit. Yeah, it gives you a different experience that way as well. Yeah, I generally don't play a week before the event. Like, oh, I won't play the week of the event. Like, because yeah. I'm a bit superstitious now as a gamer, <laughs> and I find I do worse if I play the day before. But it's even when I went to like Nova, and even when I went to Las Vegas, or if I've got that week off, generally won't play. I will just like go sightseeing. I remember I did it at Nova, and they're like, "Oh, John." You've played in the casual tournament, uh, which was the Thursday. Tomorrow, before the main event, are you going to play again? The team tournament. There's like teams asking for you. I was like, I'm going to go sightseeing. I was like, well, well, first it's a holiday, but also yeah. just want a break. So, because I, need I needed to be fully refreshed for effectively two days of gaming. And I found when I have practiced too hard, when it comes to the event, I'm just burnt out and shattered. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I find you do need to find that right level so yeah. I wouldn't say all of a sudden go like, oh, you're new to the game, stop playing a week before the event. Because no. if you're not comfortable with your kill team, you probably like do. Two or three days game. before, if I'm not, if I've had a game, then it's all right. If it's the night before, or even a couple of nights before, it could be a bit much. But I think as long as you've got some familiarity with what you're doing, I think I think that's the important thing with the practice. It's combine combining with knowing what your kill team does as well, so you're not constantly having to check everything. Yeah, so once you're comfortable with your kill team, you actually only need a few games, like yeah. even like one to two games a week. You don't need to 
constantly grind out games. Does it help getting lots of games in? Yes, but not to the point where you're just playing numbers for the sake of numbers. Because I've often the same person as well. Like for me, if I'm practicing, it'll be my friend Adam, and yeah, he's probably got he's got two or three different kill teams I could play against. But then I'm playing Adam though, and it gets to the point where you're practicing against the same person, so you learn how each other plays. So it's not necessarily as impactful or useful as you probably think it is. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. So a lot of people often ask me how I get so good. And the thing is, I always try and... <laughs> no, no, it's like I always try and change up my practice partners. Like I'll have a core group I practice with. Yeah. I will always try and play new people. And the thing is, even when I was playing Underworlds, uh, this is partly why I travel the country and now the world to play games because I'm never playing against the same person too much. So I'm yeah. always exposed to something new. So I don't go into games going, I know how this person plays. That's how I beat them. Because as you said, that's the trap. I, I've known lots of good players in many game systems who are really good players and they practice with a really good player as well. But the problem is they practice so much, it ends up just them knowing how to beat the other. And it's yeah. like, oh, I don't have problems with this matchup because, oh, I do this. And I was like, is that because of the matchup or because you know how your friend plays so you know your friend is going <laughs> to go there? That kind of thing. Because it really is important to diversify who you train with. Obviously, this is harder to do, but it can be even stuff like, let's say you're at your gaming club. You can alternate who you play with. Just go like, oh, so-and-so, we haven't actually played that much. Uh, or like, we haven't actually played. Would you just like a game? Like, we can just go at each other and see. Because it's better you playing new people than just playing the same people over, over, over and over again. Yeah. So, and what I like to do when I'm practicing as well if I'm comfortable with the kill team, I will play in the worst situation possible in terms of I will purposely play the bad matchups and the bad missions for me to go, if I can play okay at my worst or win at my worst, then I'll be fine at my best kind of stuff. I don't know if that correlates the same for you when you're comfortable yeah. in the game. Yeah, and I find that sometimes like the worst thing I could do is go, I've read up about how a kill team or an army or whatever game system I'm playing and I go, I think I've got enough a handle of them. For me personally, if I haven't experienced it, it's often the biggest surprise because it's just some of those little kind of nuances of kind of how something can play. And seeing it in person actually makes such a difference to me, I think. Yeah, there's to, only... Like, s- no, go like on. bre- breaches. I played against them with someone that... It was one of their first few games. Didn't give me any kind of a feel for how they work. And then playing at the last tournament against them, I went... Yeah, now I get it. I see it because they was they were playing everything by the book. They weren't missing things, and it was just like, oh gosh, these guys are quite resilient. And now I have an appreciation for that. No, yeah, totally. And it it just that that's the important thing. So like all that combined should help. It's like it, it's just practice is hard because I think it's really like there's also like I personally wouldn't advise practicing on tabletop simulator as well. And like. Maybe if you don't have anyone else to play with, like TTS has its values, but the issue is uh, it, it's not a great tool. It only really works if you're playing on Into the Dark. Otherwise, it's I don't think it's a good tool for practice, especially if it becomes your primary way to play. Because I think it's the same in 40k, right? Basically, no one uses it now, I think. Or except only when a book first drops, right? Just because they don't you have get, the models. You get a lot of people trying it out, especially... Um, touching on things like the UKTC terrain, you, people will sit there with their army modelled and they'll be seeing how they can interact and deploy. Uh, so yes. whether you yeah, can actually that was deploy an army, see how it can interact, see the the, the, the the firing lines and stuff, whether it's valid, but at the same time, not necessarily playing a game. So it's, it's a good way of kind of, I suppose it's the equivalent of having the table set up in your front room, yeah. putting it all out and then eyeballing it. But I, I think remember... it gives you a degree of accuracy there instead. Yeah, because I remember on Twitter, there was a bunch of Asia Sigma guys who was like, oh, I'm, I'm on 40 games into TTS on day one. And they're like, how? I was like, oh, we're just playing out to turn one. We're just deploying and seeing how turn one goes. Because <laughs> they wanted to read the terrain and just go, yeah. how could they make the most optimal moves turning point one? Which yeah. is a valid, they weren't playing full games. Turn, but that's just battle yeah. round, not, not turning point. Whatever, it's, you it's know, whatever game. they... they <laughs> not selling like a proper game. Oh, Shade! Anyway, uh, that's why Rob hates me. I'm uh, like Shade <laughs> Spire. 
Oof. Oh, stop talking about dead games. Anyway, uh, <laughs> someone got really angry when I started mentioning that. <laughs> hey, I tried. I even ran events. We all tried, John. No, we all no tried. One, no one went to those events anymore. It used to be just like, so, John, I'm having to cancel this event that you're coming to because no one else wants to come because everyone else wants to play Warhammer 40,000 instead. Sorry. <laughs> but um, going into the next, pract- uh, well, the next point, so we've yeah. covered uh, reading the pack, practice, and then it's the meta. So for the meta, this is kind of hard to do because it kind of rotates into practice. But I actually find a really good way to know the meta is, now this is a controversial subject, John. This is newly controversial. It's it's reading the stats, right? I know this is a taboo topic for the Kill Team competitive community at the moment because there's a lot of people who think you shouldn't pay any attention to the stats. Uh, But it's, it's actually genuinely a good way to read the meta, especially if you don't, you know, interact online that much or in terms of you don't play the community, you just play your local group because it will show you what's popular, what is generally winning and what's generally losing. Right. Because you, I guess you use some of the stats for 40 K and stuff, right? Yeah. So I did the same for my last um, couple of kill team events. I I went and looked at the, the most recent stats and I was like, right, not necessarily to see what I was facing, but, what I should be bringing, like um, I think, orc commandos. When I was going to the last GW event, were in kind of a real kind of slump statistically, and I was like, "Do I take them still?" And I just thought, "I don't have time to paint another kill team. I'll take them, but I'll take them knowing that's where they are, so I wouldn't necessarily be sat there going, "I'm doing really badly at this tournament." It's more I'm playing as best I can with what I've got and accepting it and that's that's nice that you're then not feeling what am i doing wrong so no, yeah, having that's... that data gives you that kind of insight that you are necessarily on an uphill struggle and that that's that was my challenge was like can i beat like a good example is if say it was 39 percent in theory i should have been going in a three in a four round event i should be winning one and a bit games if i'm lucky if i could get a 3-1 out of a four-round event, great, I'm bucking the trend. And that was something to, to aim for. And I like that. I've been able to go, right, I play Orcs better than the average person. There you go. That's a goal. That's more important than being, right, I'm 16th out of 60 people. Woo. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, that's entirely true. It's nice true. to have your own goal, right? And it's yeah. something that is achievable rather than going, oh, I'd really like to be in the podium. In reality, probably not going to happen for me in a kill team event. Being fair well, and honest. It's, uh, it helps you make out smart goals. So if you know what yeah. smart smart are, you are part of the NHS mainly. Uh, but it's specific, measurable, accurate, relatable, and timeable, right? Yeah. Um, but because it's like, it's, I think this kind of goes into going into tournaments, but it's, like, it's the mindset. But like I wouldn't go in the mindset going, you need to win. I need to win to get the most out of this tournament it helps you go like, okay, this is what I need to do. Or like practice for your bad matchups because you can go at the stats and go like, oh, I'm playing a kill team that's underperforming or actually uh, I need to prepare for these dominating kill teams. It's a really yeah. good way to get to know the meta. So you can it helps loop back into practice. And then the other thing is like even tier lists, right? Love them or hate <laughs> yeah. them. They generally align, like <laughs> generally, so you yeah. can kind of get a good idea on where people think there is. Because there are people who just meta chase, which is fine, as long as they're yeah. open about it. But it's like, for example, you can go like, oh, I only want to practice against the SNATs. I just need to know how my kill team is doing yeah. in general for that. right? Or, or a good example, since your last event, there is now a new kill team that is doing well. That's flagging up to you. Like, right, they are out of the two new ones. Those are the ones I should probably practice against because they're the ones that we'll see more of and maybe are more of a challenge. So it's them being smart with your what limited practice you've got as well. Yeah, it helps you make your practice time more efficient as well instead of just going, well, you know what? I'm going to really practice against my friend who is playing Phobos. That's going to really help me. And it may help hey, if you run hey, into I've, Phobos. I've started painting mine. Like we all have, done. right? We all have. We're waiting for the next balance day. It's like, but it's like that. It's like you can even go to your, your friend, or like if you're playing with people, you can go like, oh, none of us play this faction. It's really popular. Do you want to proxy it? Like, do you want to play the faction? Then we can flip, and I can play the faction, and you can play your kill team. You can do stuff like that. Yeah. Because even if you don't know the faction inside and out, just going, oh, or even reading up, going like, okay, I actually didn't think that kill team was really good, but going off of how many 
podiums they've got this month and their win rate, you know, which you can find on my monthly stat reviews, which you can find on my YouTube channel or blog, you know, and remember if you do use them, please remember to credit me and Hot Sauce Teddy because especially Hot Sauce Teddy because we do a lot of work. So if you're using our stats and you're not crediting us, what's wrong with you? Uh, but, but, But seriously, it's like using that data to help you plan and what to prepare against. Because for example, it's not perfect because ideally you want to know everything, but if you don't have the time to play and research every faction, the reason like I partly do the the tier list and stats is to help people prioritize their practice time because realistically, not many people have the time to go, okay, I'm going to practice against X team today and then another team tomorrow, or they don't have the, the people who can play all those factions so they need to prioritize their time and yeah. it, it helps you so much right because there's oh, i think there's like there's it, it all loops back into practice but knowing the meta is very useful especially when you can kind of relate that meta to the pack because once again yeah. uh if you're oh, what's a good example like if you're playing an into the dark event you can know dramatically how the meta will change for that because it's such a different environment and the team yeah. uh, like let's say you're playing warp coven on an open event you're kind of you know okay good but into the dark you love it because now you don't have to worry about getting shot so you get so much better same for if you're already yeah. blooded and then you can go okay it's actually narrowed down now who i need to play against based on the stats yeah. um but but that's why even talking to friends is yeah. a good way to know the meta as well because like i'm sure you talk to tons of people like not just for kill team but for like yeah. 40 uh, I, I also find that once lists have been submitted for other events i know this isn't as much of a thing in um kill team events like especially gw ones but looking at what people have put themselves down as unless people are try- playing some sort of mind game if they've submitted what they are been able to look at it and then you've got a couple of days to think about it and go right i know i'm probably going to be like you look at it and go right there's going to be a million like half the half the field of one kill team i would then stop prepping like how am i facing that just because it's an inevitability that i'm going to face it so at least being able to think it through then also helps just like well what which which tack ops am i going to take because i need to score well against them passively perhaps for example you, you're then having to look at those as problems that you don't necessarily have to play a game to practice and figure out and solve no, yeah, totally. Like, um, for example, what do you call it? Like, if you were playing into the dark event, you would know that Corsairs yeah. and Blood had become really popular. And if you haven't played yeah. into them, you would now go, oh, I should research those to know what they do and how they face into my kill team. Yeah, and, and what, even what I find, scoring methods they'd be using. Because I think yeah. sometimes not knowing how a team scores catches me out so often. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's like people just go, oh, victory points are so easy, I don't need to keep an eye. But some factions do have specific Kill the crew hounds. Kill the crew hounds. Kill the crew yeah. hounds. Kill the hounds. <laughs> uh, but even I, I find another tool is if you have access to Discord, just chat yeah. to Discords. Because generally you can pop into other channels and people will be discussing, like even you can see what's popular at tournaments or just ask, hey, guys, what do you think is a big threat? And just practice against that. Like... Uh, you yeah. can even ask for tactics, and generally people will tell you in Discord what's strong about their faction and what you need to watch out for, because generally everyone's a really, really helpful in this community. I don't know if it's the same I, in I 40k. That, yeah, I found that across the board, really. And same with, like, um, even, like, Age of Sigmar. Like, you ask someone, like, oh, I, I see that this thing's a bit of a problem now. People go, oh, yeah, well, this is what I I tend to take as a as a thing across. Like, quite often it'll be, take this endless spell, that might help in your army, type of thing. It's, it's always people will always try to give you suggestions. And I've I've not really seen people actively trying not to in Kill Team, especially because like it, your Discord, for example, if I sit there and just kind of lurk, people are chatting about it, and they're they're all just trying to help each other because they want to have good experience and they yeah, want to share 100%. those experiences. So, well, it, the more you share, more everyone's open. It boosts the skill of everyone. Like oddly, I was talking about this today in Discord because someone was not willing to share because they had seen it from other people yeah. and. For me, I adopt the mindset of the Japanese fighting game community where they, the pros will share tech and all their information with yeah. everyone, whether you're brand new or an experienced player, yeah. because they view, um, if everyone knows and is aware of all the rules and all the tricks out yeah. there, it, it raises the skill of the entire community because everyone knows what to expect and it broadens their knowledge. So now yeah. you have to, you can't go around underestimating people. And then it's, it comes down to that person's player skill is actually what, 
let like kind of bring raises them above the the average. Yes, because the other thing is um, the reason I say Japanese FGC is because the European and UK and American FGC were very insular and refused to share, and basically they <laughs> could never beat the Japanese FGC, and still they started sharing tech with each other and improving everyone's skill. I mean, the Japanese still beat them, but you know, what I mean, I'm not trying to say yeah. like. It's better to help everyone, and that's generally what everyone wants to do. But another tip is, oh, what do you call it? Uh, So these are just general tournament tips because it kind of, this is something we kind of apply all to each other. So like my general tournament tip is always stand in terms of as long as it's comfortable (laughs) for you. So when I play a tournament, like I have a notable friend who I will keep anonymous, uh, Chris, I love chicken wings. Uh, so he'll, he'll know who that is, but basically he doesn't eat uh, until he loses, right? Cause he needs that hardcore focus. So you could do that. Yeah. I don't sit unless I'm at lunch. Uh, I won't sit in a game if I'm still winning. Like if I've come into a position where I've lost, obviously I'll start sitting down more because uh, I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> that explains precious. why you were sat at Warhammer World against those commandos. That's classic. Yeah. Uh, but it's like if, if I'm standing, uh, it's I always stand because I need to see the whole board, and it keeps my momentum going internally. And I find yeah. it's much better when I'm because I got it from my friends who play X Wing. When they play X Wing, they always stood so they had a full bird's eye view at the table, and I do the same. Yeah. I find it keeps you need to know all the board state and all of that because I've played against people and seen people lose because they sat yeah. all game and they missed yeah. off. Well, it's silly things like not remembering that there's someone in that back ruin can can change a game. It doesn't matter what game system you're playing. If you don't know there's one single model hiding somewhere, I've lost games of 40k by two or three points because there was a flipping demonette sat in a ruin. Exactly. Never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, it's like it helps you scan to keep a constant update of the table. Yeah. Like, and if obviously only do it if you if you're comfortable enough to do. Yeah. Like, because I stand all the time because of my work as a nurse. I wear compression socks because I found that I used to get a lot of ankle pain, but yeah. wearing compression socks helps. And now I wear compression socks when I'm at tournaments yeah. because it just helps with the blood flow. Good shoes so helps as well. Like good floor support. I used to wear a lot of slip-on vans. They're the oh, worst oh. thing to stand all day in. And I work in uh, retail, so I do stand all day. Having a good set of shoes is what you need. Really? I found vans quite comfortable. Uh, they're good, but if you spend eight hours standing in just a pair of slip-on vans, not great. I've got some vans that are better, that have got proper support to them, but it's, it's like not the normal shoelace ones, because I have the slip-on. Yeah, and yeah. This is trailing yeah. off, but this is actually yeah. really As an example, just like, what you think might be comfy, but on the flip side, a lot of people are wearing Crocs to tournaments at the moment. So I wear Crocs at work. Um, my X-Wing friends, so this is funny, they they got a rule in force at the head of Fantasy Flight Games where they made a rule you can't be barefoot <laughs> in their, when they're playing at their events. Oh, they would I go hate it events. when people walk around sh- like barefoot. It's grim. No, no, they don't need it at the table. So they would like, because it, it, they stand up all the time. They took off, uh, they'd come in sandals and then at the table they would just take off their sandals and stand barefoot. On a yoga mat. Yeah, some I've seen people with a yoga mat. No. Generally, like that's new tech I've seen from it's some great. It's players. great. I've got one. Just for I that. I was tempted, right? I was like, but my feet don't hurt that bad because I I wear compression socks. But it, it's an interesting way to do it. I mean, I've seen people. What someone brought like a music stand to hold their codex, right? At an event or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I bring a trolley. Uh, I didn't necessarily. I haven't done it for kill team, but I have a little three-tier trolley that I wheel around with my army on. And you I just love top. asking so, opponents for refreshments because you no, in well, another life you were flight attendant? <laughs> the, the top of it, I will literally have things like my reference cards, spare dice. It's all tidied away, which then means when I'm playing a game, I don't have all this crap peripheral stuff just sat lingering around getting in the way, which then means as I'm playing, I know where everything is. I've got a reference sheet. It's all very kind of probably a bit too much for a lot of people but it means i feel prepared it's part of my kind of routine and ritual almost of like i get to the table it's all there <laughs> no that that's generally good like it, it's just those this is why i put it kind of like general tips because it kind of comprises a lot because obviously if you can't stand it's not great but like that's why i yeah. always stand it's 
it's not like there is a like it's worth mentioning people do find it imposing if you constantly stand but that's not yeah. why i do it i do it because i need a constant bird eye view of the board. on the on the flip for that as well um playing longer form games like 40k i find that i have lower back problems so i find if i do stand for too long in a bad posture it's actually worse for me so sometimes it's quite all right as well if you are standing and there is a lull and you don't need to be kind of necessarily paying attention sit down and just have a minute to yourself as well which is completely reasonable as well and i i think a lot of people get too absorbed into a game that they'll be standing there leaning across in the worst posture possible and it's actually probably more harmful to their actual ability to keep focus on the game because they're actually putting themselves at harm potentially which because i i've done it before i'm literally playing a game and i go i can't lean anymore this hurts I need to stop. And it's just, a, it's only a game. I don't need to be actually breaking my back for this. No, that's entirely true because the thing is, um, so what I do, uh, so when I go to international events, I bring my uh, flight case, like my, yeah. my, you know, the trolley thing. And yeah. people go, why do you bring that? And I was like, well, when I play in UK events, I have to bring my big bag. And if I'm carrying that around, like generally I'm carrying it the day before I get to an event, I get back pain because it's yeah. heavy. Yeah, my stuff. Yeah. But at least when I'm carrying that around to events, I'm just dragging it along by the handle so there's no back pain whatsoever. And my like, yeah. posture is really important as well. I think a good thing to touch upon is always get fresh air if you can. Like, yes. not constantly. Don't go to your phone and look. Yeah, I know it's about yeah. to start your turn. I just need to go out to get a whiff of fresh air. Yeah, but it's like, like, between rounds. Like, if you finish with 10 minutes to spare at the end of a round, go stand outside the venue for two minutes. Just get some fresh air. Look at the actual sky. Because there's nothing worse than being in a box room for, like, 12 hours straight. Yeah, because what I really liked when I was at Nova, we had the balcony outside, so like I could just walk ooh, outside to the balcony to get fresh air. Nova. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when I was at the US Open final in New Mexico, uh, I would pop out onto their like patio, I guess, because you could see the mountain range. It was freezing cold, but it was sunny. But it was more ways to get fresh air and fresh sunlight to just kind of give some more revitalization and just help clear because even though like a lot of venues now have better airflow and conditioning it still gets quite stale yeah yeah yeah. and it's it's also it's taking you out of the box you're in and it means you're focusing on something different i find sometimes it it kind of it mentally lifts you a little bit because you're just like okay i'm i was in gaming mode there i'm now outside i'm just in i'm in john mode i'm just i'm here doing like me i'm just focused on just staring blankly into the distance it's just a way of you just kind of almost switching off for a second and i think it can help sometimes that you then just i'm not thinking about a table with terrain or 80 million people around me it's it's nice to be able to just go oh because i'm quite extroverted but i sometimes it's nice just to go and stand somewhere quiet and just not warhammer for a minute (laughs) that's completely fair and i think another good tip is really important is play to a specific goal that is how do you describe it not talk so like when i go to events people assume when i first started i would go to events going i need to win this because it's a waste if i don't win then i only started doing really better when because uh, i actually got this from rob <laughs> when i generally go to like i go to events now to have fun and or tr- like i'd go like actually most of the events i've won i've actually gone to try and get best painted or just have a fun time i have not focused on winning because i remember even like to bring up nova again people like oh you're going (laughs) no no it's serious i had to generally tell people they're like you're going to nova to win it right and i was like i went to nova because it was a holiday and it was just going to be fun to play in america for the first time that was my genuine goal i did practice but i didn't go into going that i need to win this if i don't win like it's a waste of a trip because i found when i focused my goal on oh i need to win when I lost, I took the loss way harder than I should have. And I found it, it, it it's if I kept with that goal, it was going to become really unhealthy. So it, like there are people who still focus like they have to win to get the most out of an event. Like if you can, if you have the mental ability to healthfully process that, if you don't get that goal, that's fine. But in my general experience and what I've seen from people, if you have yeah. that mindset, it usually ends up destroying you. So. Yeah, I find a lot of people that put those sorts of pressures on themselves often end up being even more frustrated when they don't get the result that they've really been pushing for. Yeah. 
so then you get that kind of that saltiness. I don't know. If, I don't think it's every person that's like that, but you definitely see these people that put such pressure on themselves that they lose a game, they don't come back for the second day of a two day. Let's put it yeah, that or way. they just go and like, just, oh, I'm just going to go home now. I've I've lost, yeah. and we're like, oh, but the tournament is always like, yeah, but there's no way I can win now, so I'm just going yeah. To and that that I find that shite. Like you could, I've I've I think one of my events I lost two games on the trial, and I was like, cool, I'm really not doing great at this one but I'm just going to keep going and see how much I can pull this out of my ass now. And that that's sometimes the challenge, right? Like, Yeah, it's like even at the last Warhammer World event, I lost round one by a point, and I was like, okay, that's effectively me out of the tournament, but I didn't go there to win, so I'll just keep playing because it's just like, it's the last time using these old tech ops and missions, so just play for fun. And that was my goal anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just because I was fun. like... Well, yeah, it was okay. like I was never going to take that tournament seriously once they use the old rule. So I was like, "What's the point?" And then, like, because the the flip side is when you go to win and you you know like over celebrate when you win, then you over punish yourself when you lose. So it's just trying to find yeah. like a, a relatable and realistic goal. Because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's having a healthy relationship with a game at the end of the day because it is a bloody game. <laughs> yeah, even going like, oh, I just want a positive record. I want to go like three wins and a loss or like two, two, stuff like that. It's yeah. like, it's a really good mentality to go by and something I advise. Now for our last tip, it is, uh, what was it again? Oh yeah, not stay hydrated, but stay nutritioned, you know, stay food and drink. Remember yeah. to eat and drink. This is like a really important thing, um, you know, because, you know, there's fasting, I fast and stuff. But when it comes to tournaments, it's really important you're hydrated and yeah. you're well-nourished. If, because... if it's a big hall with, like, air conditioning or something like that, it just sucks the, the moisture out of the air. Oh, you totally. may not realise it, but you'll, you're going to be thirsty. And then if someone, like, if your opponent says, oh, I'm going to go cra- grab a beer and gets you a beer, that's just going to make it worse. And it, it means that sometimes I'll, I'll get to lunchtime at a tournament and I'll be like, well, I've got a pounding headache. I haven't even been drinking. Why oh, am yeah. I feeling so rubbish? And it's just because you're dehydrated. Yeah. And it's like, especially if you're talking all the time, it'll dry out your throat quickly yeah. and you get a sore throat. Like the biggest thing, I used to have pounding headaches after tournaments. And I was like, I don't get it. I drink all this water. Like um, some, I, I drink a bit on my lunch. And then after the tournament, I drink tons. And then I realize, oh, I'm not actually properly staying hydrated. I'm hydrating myself at the end of the day. But by that yeah. time, I'm already dehydrated because yeah. I was like, I was taking paracetamols after events. And then I realized I should yeah. just drink more during the event. So I actually have a big bottle I take with me to events now because most event venues are really good. Like even the UKTC guys, they now have massive jugs by their kind of main table. So throughout one of their massive big events, you can go and just fill up your water bottle constantly, which is great because then you're just like, right, it's not impacting on my games. And also it's not costing me loads of money. Because that is a consideration, right? When you go to an event, if you're spending £3 on a bottle of Coke or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like it can end up being quite pricey if you're playing a full weekend of gaming. Just keeping hydrated is like a basic almost human right. So it's it's good for you that you can just do it. Um, I also tend to bring sweet and savory snacks. So I have um, Tunnock's Caramel Bars, little snacky wafer thing. Literally just, if I'm starting to flag kind of middle of the like afternoon, one of them just perks me up a little bit. Or if it's kind of just before lunch and I know I'm not going to make it till lunch, something like that can help. Or I have um, little corn um, snacks I have. Little, um, I think they're fried corn. corn. It's, corn it's called Love Corn. It's oh, called Love it's... Corn. And it's basically like bits of corn that are covered in like a barbecue-y like, stuff. And covered it's just like skulls. a little bag. And you just eat it. And it's just, it, it, it does, it serves a purpose. It's something to chew on and line your stomach a little bit yeah so uh, my recommendation is like so i was, I bring a big bottle of water now like the good thing when i start going to american vents they just have water fountains everywhere in yeah. general oh, they'll gosh, just yeah. give you they'll just give you so much water warhammer world now have a water fountain so if you're playing there that's really good but generally i bring a if i'm not, I'm not going to any of those kind of events or even if i'm going to an american event i'll bring a big like two liter 1.5 liter bottle of, from mm. the store drink that and then just yeah. refill it at the event um because like staying hydrated is important for snacks i find like i'll have a protein bar sometimes yeah or i'll use like sugar-free mints another good thing is to um especially if you're like going to a multiple day event i find having a snack of something complex so complex carbs because this is more like biological science but you want something that's going to take time for your body to break down because if you're just limiting yourself to like high sugary snacks you'll get that burst 
and then it will quickly fade away during the course of that game. So then you end up eating more than you would. And it kind of goes like you go to lunch and you go, oh, I'm full. And then you go to, so you you like have a minimal or no lunch and then you go into the next two games and then, you know, you can be like in a sugar high or sugar, like your body will be all over the place. But if you're eating like something, because games like effectively two hour rounds for kill team. Obviously, if you're playing 40K, you got like three hour rounds. Exactly. Um, So like just because everyone's kind of on the ball with drinking water, well, you know, hydrating. But I think snacking is an important thing people miss as well. Because I think it's just... yeah something people miss because it's, it's like the sugar crash i see it a lot in 40k tournaments where people at the end of day two they've just played their fifth game of warhammer over a weekend and you see these people and they just look like husks of people because they're just drained yeah. and it's because they had a quick lunch but they've not been necessarily giving themselves that kind of a boost they'll have had something like a sandwich like a very bare minimum of food and you can just see that they're just and if they're being sensible and just drinking water, they've not had any sugar to kind of perk them up a little bit. And Or they've done the opposite. You quite often see the other extreme where people are over-caffeinated or over-alcoholed. And oh, gosh. That's yes. so that's harmful for you as well because you'll regret it the next day. But oh, yeah. Diff- I've seen people <laughs> on either end, people have gone like hyperactive and then yeah. crashed or started crashed and I'm just like, oh, sh- I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. I completely yeah. missed that. And I was I like, can't, I can't do that anymore. Because <laughs> uh, it also kind of ties into like getting enough sleep, but that's not yeah. easy, especially if like, you're jet lagged and stuff. But hydration yeah. is really important. Yeah. Like also, because it ca- carries into the pack, because some packs will mention how long lunch is, how long your breaks are, and if they're providing lunch or not. Because especially... If the if they only have fifteen minute breaks, you can go like, oh, I might not, I might not have to bring that many snacks or nothing at all because I can just kind of jump through that. But if a round has like half hour breaks and then an hour and like an hour lunch, then you go actually, if it's if we're doing an hour and forty five minute rounds, I effectively have like nearly four hours till lunch, and because yeah. I'm going to do so much thinking, I probably should have some decent during the round one round two break and then maybe not after the round three like depends but like especially yeah. breaks because it's something people really miss like um because mm. the other thing is like you can also time your toilet breaks around that because while it's not bad etiquette to ask to go toilet mid-round yeah. it's all really right the place, yeah I like, okay. I've overhydrated before. I've gone right. I need to make sure I stay hydrated. I've just I've drank my bottle of water in the first twenty minutes of a game, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm done now. I've I've got to pee, and it gets to a certain point where you go, I have to go and pee now, and it's awful because you're like, just just take your turn. It's fine. I trust you. I'm I'm about to explode. I've got to go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot. Uh, I I think awful. when I was at LVO because they were doing back to back rounds, I was like, round one, I'll drink a lot of water to stay hydrated. And then they basically did round one lunch and then two, three, four. So by the end of round four, I was like, yeah, let's, because it was back to back rounds because of timings. Like I couldn't go toilet because I was like, I don't want to go toilet mid round because I need to keep that tempo and stuff. So I was like, after game four, I was like, yeah, this is great. Cool, 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 cool. I'm just going to go really quickly. And I had the best urination experience of my life. Um, no, I'm not saying like you shouldn't go toilet mid round, but it's like, it, you, sh- you should factor it in when you're planning in your stay in nourished and like eating because you know especially if you do another ocean mid game your opponent may get worried if your opponent if you just disappear for like oh i've had it where i've had opponents that were like i, I had it it'll be like game four of a five round sort of weekend event and they've gone i'm gonna have to go to the toilet now and you yeah can and tell you go like- they'd overdone it i'm just and then it's all it's like okay i'm here I, and we're both on the clock I, to me, it's like if I can be as least impactful to my opponent's experience of the game that they've paid to do at the end of the day, like we've all paid to turn up, the better, right? Like there's nothing worse than someone going, right, I'm not ready here. I'm, I'm going to go to the toilet. I might be back again and then I might have to go again. It, it's the worst. Yeah. I mean, I, I did remember when it happened to me once. I was like, oh, I just need to go to the toilet. I'll be right back. I was like, okay. I was like, five minutes later, are they okay? Did they die? Do I need to go to the toilet to see if they're all right? And then he came back five minutes later. I was like, so sorry. I was like, yeah, no, no worries. Uh, we're just not going to shake hands after. Uh, we can feel <laughs> elbow bump. Uh, but it's like, yeah, it's important to like plan that around, like stay nourished. Like, because as I said, the trap I've had is like, I've downed a two liter bottle going like, oh, I'm really thirsty. 
And then my kidneys have gone, oh, let's go into overdrive, boys. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I should not have passed going to the toilet um, in the break. I should have just gone. Because uh, then there's the whole situation of, oh my gosh, trying to miss the peak of the toilet rush. This is going yeah. really off topic from Stay Nourished. No, no, no. But I mean, oh. That's the other trick as well. Um, I found sometimes if I feel like I might need it, things like a, a Bayoka kind of um, effervescent thing, those can Bayoka. be great in... So you know, look, I think it's it's spelt Barocca, but it's actually pronounced Bayoka if you're actually pronouncing it correctly because it's an old English name. Um, they're like the like orange tablets that you put in your oh, water. Oh yeah, we use them at work. What they're called? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the, the the technical term for them, but it's it's a vitamin way of pills you, basically. Yeah, it's basically it helps when you're rehydrating. Yeah, but, it's really uh, good it's, to use as a hangover. You pop the phosphate one, which has yeah. all the vitamins, and then the potassium one. Feels so much better. That is I went not to a Polish a... wedding and they were giving those out, and I was just like, wow, "Okay, that that's, is... that's handy to know." But at the same time, I quite often have them because I've got quite bad allergies. I find I'm quite often dehydrated purely from being so snotty. So yeah, yeah. I have one of them quite often at the morning just to kind of help start me off on the right footing. So it could be something I I probably should take them when I go to events. Really, just well, I have, have a friend me. who drinks sports drink because he drinks yeah. it for the. Um, the glucose, yeah, yeah, basically, not not that he's like some hyper intense yeah. Warhammer no, athlete. No, it, it's like, it, it's the whole thing of probably why I have my sugar, my little sugar wafers is the same sort of logic, right? Yeah, Just yeah. Kind of, I mean, boost. I don't really like sports drinks. They they feel like. I mean, I did have a friend when I was playing Underworlds. Like, he's like, I have to stop. And I was like, why? What's going on? It's like, I have to have my chicken breast break. So he's like, because you have to have <laughs> six meals a day, right? Yeah, so it's he like was like from too much monster energy drinks. Just going, yeah, he's like, yeah, just give me thirty seconds, and I can eat this piece of chicken breast, and I'll be okay. And I was like, fine, go ahead, that's okay. Uh, but it's like you know, that's uh, getting into fitness, which we've kind of. But it's like this is a general thing because it's something no one really talks about when it comes to tournaments. Like it's really weird. It's quite, especially when you're playing a full weekend of it. It's quite a physical ordeal. Like you're eating at very specific times that are probably necessarily your normal routine. You're probably not drinking as much as you should be. And you are spending a lot of time either sitting or standing hunched over a table. Like It's one of the most, I think it's actually quite a physically kind of damning thing you can do to your body if you're not respectful. Like if you do that it's every weekend. It's an unintentionally draining experience, I yeah, would say. But everything you do is actually quite hard for you. Like as a, like it, it is quite a, uh, I think it's almost kind of attritional to your body if you're not being respectful. So when people go, oh, I'm I'm just going to have a, a late night out tonight and I'm going to eat some junk food and stuff. I'm just like, well, tomorrow you are going to feel like crap. Yeah, it's the like the games. people who went clubbing between day one and two and stuff. <laughs> I've I was done like, that. It's such a regret. I was like, Rob, I was like, I was like, oh, Rob, do you want to meet up with us when like we're bet- after day one? He's like, no, I'm going to go DJ. And I was like, what time are you going to finish? Oh, maybe like three or four a.m. And then it's like I either see him day two. Or, like, I either don't see him day two, or if I see him day two, he's dead inside. More dead than he normally is. But, you know, it's that kind of thing. People who could do it, it's like, that's impressive, but it'll bite you back. Because, as you said, Warhammer is an unintentionally draining sport. Well, you know, experience. It's mentally mentally grueling at times, and also the physicality of hunching over a desk. Like, the tables aren't necessarily designed. Especially if it's a short table event. Oh, my gosh. Like Warhammer World, I find that my back goes because I'm leaning that much, which is yep. unfortunate. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm not. A sh- I'm quite a short guy, so. Well, I think it's that for for them, it's like because they have mainly kids there, so it kind of makes sense. But it's just when you yeah. play, sorry, an event that has tall tables, it's like, oh my gosh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. But um, that that's the important thing because it's just like, oh, especially if you do something stupid, like let's say unintentionally walk 14 to 18 miles the day before because you lost track of time before the event and then you, you go like <laughs> i'll just eat normally but if but this thing when i was chatting to other competitive players like when even when i'm in america they're like oh yeah um the day before the tournament we're like hitting the their local convenience stores nearby because they can just go i'll raid the drinks section now so then uh when i'm going to the tournament tomorrow i can just have them in my bag stuff like yeah. that like yeah. you don't need to go to extreme lengths but 
Um, it's not just us doing it. Like yeah. it's, it's a general good thing to do because you want to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, like the dangerous thing is when I've heard like people who are diabetic who just don't eat during a tournament. And I'm like, what happened if you go hypo? It's like, I'll be fine. I've got a gel pack in the bag. And I'm like, but that's, that's only in an emergency. <laughs> um, so like generally for yeah. your own health as well, you don't want to yeah. pass out and then cause people to like resuscitate. <laughs> like, that's especially if you fall onto the table. I haven't seen that happen before uh, or heard that, but you know, Warhammer events generally don't have the nicest of floors to fall onto or sit on. I, so. I hear you can sleep under a table just fine. Really? What? Not me. No, it's an Age of Sigma thing in, in America. People sleep under the table sometimes. How? What? What's wrong? <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so in, in summary, uh, basically, that that's all our tips. So it's like, obviously, cleanliness isn't a tip. It's something you should be doing in general. It's a way of life, John. Uh, and then, you know, read the pack because that has all the details, especially about everything. And generally, if you have a question, it's in the pack. Sometimes TOs will go like, oh, um, if you have any FAQs, email us. We'll be using like cutoff dates. That's all in the pack. It really, really is all in the pack. And it's depressing how many people don't read the pack. Uh, practice. Don't over-practice. Practice until you're comfortable. I'd uh, like to avoid burnout. Knowing the meta, watching stats, asking around, tier lists. That's all really useful because it helps with your practice again. Then like general tips, as we said, like, was it getting fresh air? always standing if it's comfortable for you, like being prepared, like in terms of what you carry to the table and around, that's really useful. Then um, staying nourished. So like making sure you're drinking and eating regularly because, you know, like staying hydrated is important, but also making sure you have enough blood sugar and electrolytes to keep thinking. Because if you have uh, a lagging brain, like if you are like malnourished, like your body's craving for food, it's just going to send constant, not even hunger pangs. It's just going to, your head is just going to send all these signals and make you forget stuff and do misplays. Exactly. Uh, but I think we covered pretty much the, oh yeah. And then like, obviously for general tips, do a realistic goal. Like yeah. something that's non toxic in the long term. Uh, Cause I, I know like the thing is people are going to be like, what do you mean you don't go in events with planning to win? It's, it's really f- weird how people get, um, not upset by it, but they're like disbelieving of it. So I don't know. It, it's weird. I think people view competitive players as if they always want to win. And I think that's a misconception in itself. Yeah. Well, I'd like to win. Like My goal at the table is to win, but not at any cost. It's winning because I've played my best and been the better um, player at the table, shall we say. But not yeah, at the my- cost of two of us enjoying it. Like if I'm sitting there and I've, like I had a game, um, a forty k event where literally I think I scored like sixteen points. I I really got smashed in by this was Harlequins when they were full on stupid. I was backline deployed. We were playing like short board deployments, so it was literally the longest table. And he got he got into my back line in turn one. Wow! And I was like, this is a miserable game. And then my next game. It flipped, and I did that to assist as a battle player. Not to the same speed, but same score. And it was awful. And I was like, I I played both games, like both sides of the game where one person stomps the other person, and both were not fun games for different reasons. But at the same time, it's like I I didn't want to be the one winning 117. I wanted to have had a game that was by a knife's edge where we both had great stories to talk about, but I did win, if that makes sense. Oh no, hundred percent. Like the most just... fun I've had. Like so, when I go to tournaments now, it's not to like win; it's to test myself. Because I have the most fun at events where I'm constantly pushing my skills to the limit, and you know, it's like obviously you would love to win consistently by landslides. But the most fun I've had is in close games where I've pushed myself to the limit, and I think genuinely my best and most favorite tournament experience was when I was playing in Nova. Because especially when I was playing the Saturday and Sunday championships. Uh, it was pushing my skills to the limit and in every game was able to, they were all super close and I was able to demonstrate to myself the stuff I had practiced and prepared for, like in general, like I was doing so many different things each game 
I was just I like, especially in the last game, it just turned into like a melee slap fest with Tao because my opponent yeah. wasn't expecting it. And it was just like <laughs> that kind of stuff because I was like, oh, this won't work. And then I was like, oh my gosh, the slap fight is working. Slap fest continue. But it's just like, <laughs> it's kind of, oh, this sounds really lame. But I, you know, I did watch a lot of Dragon Ball Super, but I found oh, um, just testing myself, you know, just going like, um, finding get like playing an event and just going wow like obviously i either won or lost but going this was a really good challenge i had a fun game and i pushed myself to the limit like that's the kind of thing i like obviously going there for fun and it is kind of like approaching an event like goku in a way like not just going like not to the dumb goku was like oh how strong are you but more like oh i want to test my skills and have fun um like i also try and go for best painted Although I've only ever won best painted and also won a tournament once. And I have won best painted, I think, three times in my entire competitive gaming experience, which is nice. Mm. But it's stuff like that. Right? <laughs> I, I think having like all these goals, because once again, most people just talk about practice or like knowing the meta. No one really goes like, make sure you wash yourself or, <laughs> you know, have healthy goals make sure you're well hydrated and eating like eating well that kind of stuff so i mean it's kind of repeating what i did in my article but that article was like years ago and for underworlds so Uh, there's one thing we haven't touched on actually that i i've taken to doing a lot more recently like actively going and seeking out each of my opponents at the end of each round not like literally going and finding them like going specifically but if i bump into them then spend some time and be like, how did that game go? And just Oh, care. yeah, totally. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, It's really nice to be able to like follow each other's like success or not success. And then kind of like, it kind of goes into that sporting thing, I think, where you, you kind of like, you're building this kind of relationship with these people for that brief time you're playing a game. And being able to find out how their the next part of their story is gone is really nice. Like being able to go, right, how did your next game go? And then they tell you about their game and you give each other your war story. It's nice to kind of go, oh man, well, that sounds cool. Good luck on your next one. And it's just nice because even if you're there at the tournament on your own without any friends, you're basically making those new friends anyway. Um, 100%. And, and like I had a guy that I played at the LGT. Um, it was such a close game and I just beat him. And it was, it was glorious because it was one of those games where it was like, it came down to the wire. Southampton a couple of weeks ago, Game two, I got paired into him. He beat me this time. And it was so funny because it was like this guy that we got like a bit of a rapport from that first time we played and we had like the follow-up. And it was nice because then the rest of that weekend, I was like, how's it going now? And he's like, oh, I've just I've just gone into this army. It was all awful. And it's like, you get to have those kind of cool like chats with people that I don't know who they are really, but you then you've developed these people, like these friendships almost like probably surface level friendships, but you know what I mean? It's like, you, they're like, they're acquaintances you can now if you see them at an event you're like oh, how's it going yeah it's cool oh, no, it's I, nice, I, i'm the right? same i'm exactly the same it's cool. i guess that would more come for tournament etiquette but it's something i do all the time like i will yeah. not like if i see my if i walk past them i go hey i was doing how you doing like, da, 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 yeah. like i think that's um it's again talking about nova is i met a really cool guy <laughs> called orion no no no, no like generally Fucking like it's, the americans are really great and he's like uh he won lvo and like the first like we had a proper big chat after our game. And then like on day two, I was like, oh, how are you doing? Cause they broke into pods instead of just going top cut only the rest of you uh, suffer. So he won pod his pod. People. Nice. Well, he won his pod and I was like, oh, nice man. That's really cool. Cause he was playing warp coven. And like every time, like we're just chatting constantly. Like it's a, it's a great way to build friends. And I think that's a really good point. So like, no, I 100% agree. It's like something, because I do it subconsciously now. I, 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 I forget to bring it up, but that's a yeah, really good thing. It's point. one of those things that I've just actively been trying to be better with it because like, you often like meet someone, play them, and then they're, they're gone. They're almost dead in your brain. You just you don't think about who they were or what, what's going on. But it's, it's nice to kind of just touch base because at the end of the day, we're all there wanting to have the same experience, right? You, we're all wanting to do well, but also have three four five great games where we're playing people that are actually quite cool people as well and like you want to see them do well obviously it makes sense right you want to see nice no, people like do the, well the only time i'm able to do that is because like if my game finishes too close and the next round is like in 10 minutes i'll just rush because i need to rush to the toilet like that's the on time yeah. even just say the quick full of shit, literally yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> um but no, no these are hopefully these will help like 
they may not make you win tournaments, but they'll make you have a better time. And I think that's the more I'd important hope so, thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are too obsessed on going, tell me how to win. What is the secret source to being the best player? And obviously the secret source is using rigged dice. Uh, no, no, it's just like, it's just practice and luck, really. And I think there's no way you can really prepare for luck. And I know people go like, oh, it can't be luck. And I'm just like, it, luck plays a big factor in dice games, especially it, with it, pairings. It can be, um, but it's also, it's how you mitigate that luck, right? Yeah, yeah, stuff like, stuff like that. But it's like, it's there's never going to be a guide that unless it says, here's how to cheat. Like, you, there's, there's, like there's no guide that's going to be like, this is how to always win at tournaments. So this guide is how to properly prepare. And I think that's a, this is a good way to prepare. Um, but that's it for this time. This is episode 25 of CritCast. I think next episode... Like, remember, you can shout suggestions would open, but I think we're going to do probably like a guide on how to play intercession because I think, because I'm going to do a video on it and doing it as a podcast is a good one because like everyone loves intercession. So, I mean, more than half the meta is playing intercession at this point. (laughs) You only have to paint six models, right? Technically, you only have to paint six, yeah. Um, I so this, haven't. <laughs> I have painted six, yeah. but um, I, I built mine, and then you ripped off my cool concept. So you you, you just painted mine. You're, yours quicker than me. Yeah. I thought I did them before you. No, I just no. I got I I, I took me <laughs> like months to paint them. Like, I'm just so that's how so slow late. mine's been. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's pretty much it from us today. Thank you for being on again, John. Hope you had that's fun. That's right. And remember, I enjoy being here. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoy having you. It's fun. Uh, and remember, even if you don't go to Nova, you can always have fun. And you know, as long as you practice well and prepare well, you'll have fun. Especially if you roll lots of crits. <laughs> <laughs>